Hear now this scripture lesson from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. Listen now for a word from our Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved, Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Sometimes when I'm out walking our dog in our neighborhood, I'll notice a growing pile of newspapers on the sidewalk in front of a home. And I guess in the past, I've always assumed that the people were on a trip and forgot to have somebody pick up the papers. But it occurred to me recently that maybe they're just tired of reading bad news. Y'all know what I mean. There's plenty of it to go around. Another road rage incident where someone's hurt, war in the Middle East, hunger and homelessness on the rise in our city. I don't think I need to give you any more examples. You're familiar with all of this. Well, friends, the disciples were living in the same kind of world. Down at the base of the mountain, out in the regular world, there was plenty of bad news. Violence and suffering and poverty and injustice of all kinds. John the Baptist had just lost his life because he dared stand up to a corrupt and violent leader. People who are hungry and sick are flocking to Jesus because... They don't have any other resources, no other place to find hope. Often the rich feast while the poor go hungry. And to top it all off, Jesus has started saying disturbing things like, he's going to have to suffer and be rejected and die. And Peter, in particular, doesn't like that news at all. So... It's in the midst of all of this bad stuff that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a high mountain. And when they get there, Jesus is transfigured before them. His clothes become dazzling white, whiter, Mark says, than anyone on earth could ever bleach them. And then Elijah, the great prophet, and Moses, the great liberator of the Hebrew people, appear and begin talking with Jesus. Friends, this is just an astounding scene that is unfolding in front of these three men. They are getting an up-close glimpse at Jesus' glory, at his majesty, at his divinity. It's as if the veil has just raised a little bit. And they can see who he is, that he is the Son of God, that he is God. So Peter responds by saying, "Um, hey... Why don't we build three dwellings, one for each of you? Now, 
He's terrified and excited all at the same time, so he's babbling, but we get the meaning. Peter wants to preserve the moment. He wants to dig in, set up camp up there on the mountaintop. And really, Peter's response is not surprising, friends. It's it's important to remember that from time immemorial, the Hebrew people have been taught that when the Messiah comes, all bad news will end. All suffering will go away. So Peter and the disciples are thinking this kind of glorious revelation is what they've been waiting for. More of this, they think. Peter just wants to set up camp up there on the mountaintop, far away from all the bad news, and just bask in it. But Jesus wasn't interested in setting up camp. He remains silent and lets God do the talking. And God says, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Now notice, God does not say, look at him. God says, listen to him. And what had Jesus just said? That he would have to suffer and be rejected and die. And he would do all of this for the sake of the world. Friends, mountaintop experiences are sometimes needed. We need them. There is so much bad news in our world, and it's easy for us to get discouraged or feel overwhelmed, become hopeless. So a moment of worship or prayer or some other experience where we feel especially close to Christ, where it's as if the veil has lifted and we get a glimpse of his glory, of his majesty, of his power, that's an incredible gift to us from God. But the mountaintop is not our dwelling place, at least not in this life. Those mountaintop experiences are given to us to strengthen us for the real work of the gospel. It's just that sometimes the mountaintop sure looks better than a cross. And if you're not so certain about this, friends, Go to the bookstore. Go to any bookstore in our city. Go to the religion section and take a look around. One book after another that portrays the gospel as a fast track to success or riches. It's a way to get our needs met. One mountaintop experience after another. No bad news if you're on board with Jesus. And no mention of love and concern for the world or sacrifice, no unpleasantness like that at all. When I was in seminary at SMU, I met another student from the Philippines, and she told me about an evangelist in her home country who held a big event at an outdoor soccer stadium that was completely filled. And the evangelist told those attending to bring an umbrella with them, not because it was going to rain drops of water from the sky, but because God was going to rain down blessings upon them and they would need to open the umbrella and turn it upside down so they could catch all the blessings that were coming their way. 
This friend told me that there were actually people who attended that event who were convinced that cash was going to rain down from the sky and fill their upside-down umbrella to the brim. No mention of love and concern for others. No mention of service. No mention of sacrifice. None of that unpleasantness. None of that bad news. According to this evangelist, the gospel is that if you confess Jesus as Lord, then your whole life is a series of mountaintop moments. Upside-down umbrellas filled with cash. The great theologian Reinhold Niebuhr called this an invitation to a kingdom without judgment through a Christ without a cross. So given the prevalence of this mountaintop messaging, I was especially touched by an experience I had on a mission trip to El Salvador some years ago. While I was in the country, my group toured several churches, and they were all similar, beautiful, filled with intricate stained glass, and dark. They were all very dark. You entered these churches through thick wooden doors that closed silently behind you, and you felt as if you had entered a sacred womb, a place removed protected spot far away from all bad news. Now, El Salvador has a very violent past, so I understood why people would want to come to church and feel that it was a place to cocoon away, to be removed, to feel safe and secure. But then we visited another church, and it was very different. We came in, and it was beautiful, too, in the chancel, there was an enormous crucifix, just gorgeous, and on both sides, intricate stained glass where the sun poured through and pulled color on the floor. But then on both sides of the church, where you would expect to see more stained glass windows, instead, there were windows with clear glass. You could see right outside into the street, and friends, the the view wasn't pretty. Burned out buildings and garbage, poverty, people begging for change or scraps of food. Someone in our group asked the priest there if they intended to at some point put stained glass into those windows and he said no. That they had constructed the church that way on purpose. He said this is a holy place. And our congregation comes here to worship God and we can look up and see Christ before us and draw strength from him. But we can never turn our backs on the world for which he died. We love the clear glass windows. We want to see outside, even if it's dirty even if it's disturbing. Because we never want to forget that we are called out into that world that Christ loved to serve in his holy name. My friends, those mountaintop moments, they are a gift. And I pray that you've had some here. 
at our church. Maybe there's been a moment in worship, in Sunday school, in prayer, in the choir, a moment of conversation where you felt that veil lift. And you felt especially close to Jesus and you've caught a glimpse of his glory and his majesty. I pray that for you. Those are amazing times. But again, the mountaintop is not our dwelling place. The gospel is salvific and freeing and empowering, but it is not an invitation to cocoon away from a world that needs help and hope. My friends, that day, Jesus walked down the mountain. He walked down with his disciples and he went all the way to Jerusalem, all the way to the cross. And he beckons us to follow him down the mountain, to join him on that path, to reach out in love and concern to a hurting world. This week, we begin the official observation of the season of Lent. Starts on Ash Wednesday. 40 days, not including Sundays, that lead us up to Easter. And traditionally, friends, this has been a time of preparation for Christian people. We take this time to be honest with ourselves about our sin, about our shortcomings. We engage in spiritual practices that draw us closer to God so that when Easter comes, we know we need a Savior. And we are ready to celebrate the resurrection on that day. But you know, one of the most ancient spiritual disciplines is service. It is. And this year, I want to formally invite you to join me in engaging in service during the season of Lent, joining Jesus on that walk down the mountain to the cross and beyond. There are so many ways that we can serve others, so many ways we can share the love of Christ, and we have a very active missions ministry here. If you go on our website, you will see many opportunities to serve. But even if you can't join with others in that kind of organized activity, every day we are presented with opportunities to serve others as Jesus' followers. The smallest things count, friends. Intentionally turn outward to the world instead of cocooning into yourself. Turn out and see the people around us that need hope and help. And make that extra effort to give of yourself. Hold the door for the elderly man at the store. Speak words of kindness to the Harry clerk. Give a larger tip to that waitress who's trying to make ends meet. Take a meal to a sick friend. Give of yourself by just taking a little extra time to listen to someone who really needs to talk. Reach out to that neighbor that you know tends to be isolated and lonely. All of these things matter. All of them cast light out into a world that needs it so badly. And all of these sorts of things honor Christ. Walk down the mountain with him this year, will you? All the way to the cross and beyond. That path down the mountain is not necessarily the way of worldly success or wealth or attention. 
And I can pretty much guarantee you there's no upside down umbrella with cash when you get to the bottom. But friends, that path is the faithful one. Do not abandon the Lord as he walks that path this year. Stay with him because that is the path that leads to life. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks for you pour your grace into our lives. You lift us up and you let us see your glory from time to time. We are so grateful for that, O oh God. Strengthen us through those mountaintop experiences to follow you down the mountain into the world that needs your love more than ever before. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.